Hello everyone, I'm Ismail Pai Civico and I wish you a very warm welcome to a new episode of the Civic Podcast. Now today might be the most difficult episode to date because I'll be speaking about Islam, freedom of speech, secular states, etc. And I'm, I'm wearing black specifically because it's, it, it, it's a day of mourning after the attacks that happened in Nice. Two women and one man killed, others injured. I don't have the exact numbers in, in my head right now, but that's around what happened. Shortly after, also the beheading of the teacher, Samuel Paty, in uh, Conflans saint Honorine. Really uh, may, the, may the rest in peace, all of them, after these horrific attacks happening in France right now that we have seen and lived all throughout Europe in the past years, also in, in Brussels. Where I live, um, and there's a very important conversation to be had regarding Islam. There's a more important conversation to be had in Muslim communities themselves on what is the right way of interpreting Islam, because there is a right way of interpreting every single religion, adhering to the values upon which Western society has been built upon, the the liberal values. And the conversation is not easy because we always get to this demagogy, demagogy. I think there are two ways of pronouncing that word, maybe one American way, one British way. I'm still not entirely sure how you pronounce it correctly, but let's just say demagogy and demagogues basically on both sides of, of the political spectrum. You have one side politicizing the Islamic terrorist attacks into saying, uh, all Muslims are like this, and not—it's not even said that much on the right, right? But they, but yeah, some people are saying that all Muslims are like this. Muslim ideals, Muslim values have no space in, excuse me, in Western society, and then the other side is saying uh, everyone is free to to practice whatever they for, sorry, <laughs> whatever the, whatever they want. Uh, and that's the freedom of religion, basically, on which numerous constitutions in Europe actually do defend the freedom of religion and to everyone practice their religious confession in whichever way they, they seem fit, which I completely agree to that. Now, the problem is where that way of expressing your religion is not the right way in a free, liberal, Western society. Because there are right ways of interpreting religion, there are wrong ways of interpreting religion. We saw throughout, well, the, the Spanish Inquisition was really a good example on how Christianity went wrong, on how Catholics went wrong, uh, when they started to interpret how to bring the word of God or, or, or Jesus uh, to the people. And where, at a point, state and religion were still linked which we fought for so long in our society, in Western society, to actually divide these two, to have a division between state and religion, a disestablishment, to, to become a secular state, right? And that's something that, that numerous theologues also inside the Muslim community are actually defending, that the best way of interpreting modern Islam is to actually have a secular state. 
And then, of course, there are so many, con not even contradictions, but so many different points of view to consider because so many people are saying completely different things. Uh, some people take secularism as an attack, as anti-religion towards Islam itself. And some people say it's actually the right way of interpreting Islam, which I personally think that's the right way of interpreting. Religion should not be attached to the state. And that's also one of the big, well, that's the big thing that the people that are looking for a worldwide caliphate are actually striving for, is to actually have this religious-based political and judicial system all around. Now, there's a person I would actually would like to bring up and, and, and speak about it because for me he's one of the best people I've heard up to date actually bringing up these matters and his name is Majid Nawaz and that's uh, M-A-J-I-D Nawaz N-A-W-A-Z so this person was a well he was part of a uh, of, a, of, an, of an, an extreme Islamist group in the UK um, and I think the name of that was, okay, the name was Isbub Tahrir. Isbub Tahrir. I think I pronounce it okay-ish, right? And Majid Nawaz comes from a Pakistani, well, originally Pakistani family in from the UK, and he grew up in Essex. Uh, he was born in 1977. And basically he grew up, basically during the 90s, it was uh, his, let's say, when he... he he started to evolve into one way of thinking for various reasons. One of the reasons was at the time where there were a lot of conflicts between his community, the Muslim community, and actual neo-Nazis at the time in Essex. Uh, so I'm talking about street violence, uh, persecuting each other, uh, him receiving quite a lot of attacks from that side. And then basically he, he became radicalized after the um, Bosnian genocide of the, of the Bosnian Muslim community. Um, and then he became part of this organization's uh, organization is book Tahrir. Um, so yeah and then he became quite a known figure in that uh, in that sphere in 2001 he was arrested on grounds of forming part of that organization in Egypt I think it was shortly after 9/11 attacks and he spent five to six years in that prison in, in an Egyptian prison with a lot of radical Islamists in that same prison. Uh, and after some work from, from Amnesty International and uh, all different sorts of organizations, they managed to get him out of that prison. And then he realized the way on which he should actually act or what, what was his duty in the world. And that was to fight, which he completely changed his way of thinking, and that was to fight anti-terrorism. No, sorry, to fight terrorism. <laughs> okay, so, so to get an anti-terrorist... Um, standing point and to fight terrorism or in other words um, extremist Islam or Islamism right the political Islam on how it or how it wants to be implemented the main the, the main way to, to to differentiate the kind of organization that he was part of uh, and other organizations of the sort that are still today and actual al-qaeda and ISIS is that the common straight is that they all want a, a, a world caliphate. Uh, the only difference is the way to achieve that. So the terrorists will, will use violence and they will not necessarily use violence. They they will want, they, they, they don't use violence. They basically just uh, advocate for their ideas in Muslim communities and try to convert um, the overall population. 
And he speaks a lot about this matter uh, because he is a big defender of the secular state. And not just him, there are a lot of Muslim theologues nowadays that keep defending this point of view, saying that is the actual way of interpreting modern Islam, which I completely agree. And I think is the best way of interpreting any single religion is the division of religion and the state. That if you want to practice a religion, it concerns you and only you. You should not impose that religion to anyone else, whether it's Christianity, Islam, Judaism, absolutely any religion, Sikh, Hindu, you name it, Buddhism. I mean, you have so many. Um, and, that's the only way and that's the only way forward. We see now that this conversation is very, very difficult to have, specifically because of demagogues that I, uh, that I said before. Uh, people that just want to generalize things or facts or events and politicize them for their own political gain. Now, Majid Nawaz speaks about this in an interesting concept, which I actually think is the best way of explaining it, and he calls it the, the Voldemort effect. So the Voldemort effect, if for anyone that knows Harry Potter, is basically Voldemort was he who shall not be named, and this effect is basically that. And it's, it, we should not call it Islamic terrorism, right? And my problem with not calling it that is that if you do not lay out the right questions at the beginning, if you do not lay out the right issues, you will never be able to, write, to find the right answers or the right solutions to those issues you're trying to fight. And that's, something very, and that's something that he strongly says, that we should actually call it by its name, which is Islamic terrorism. Islamic extremism. These ideas don't come from nowhere. These ideas are written somewhere. Written where? In the Quran. Now, the conversation should be had on how we interpret those texts. What is the right way of interpreting the Sharia? What is the right way of interpreting different passages that have, that have actually motivated these kind of people to commit the atrocious acts they've been committing throughout the years, right? There's this person the 4th and 7th Prime Minister of Malaysia that tweeted, and I quote, Muslims have a right to be angry and to kill millions of French people for the massacres of the past. Now when I read this, I was completely disgusted and appalled that a Prime Minister of Malaysia, where Malaysia is still quite an open country compared to some of the countries in, in the Middle East, is quite tolerant, let's say, some, if, if, you, if you want to call it that way, a moderate Muslim, um, which doesn't really go to the to the radical extremes. He actually does implicitly defend, or he makes it understandable that people are killed just by expressing their freedom of speech. That the teacher Samuel Paty was rightfully beheaded because he, he should have never showed a caricature of Mohammed and disrespecting the Prophet. How do we wrap our heads ar around that? That throughout the world, public figures are still see are still saying this. How do we wrap our heads around the fact that people going on British national TV or British national broadcasting, um, radio broadcast basically, like Majid Nawaz also has a show on, uh, on LBC, that people saying the Sharia might be, if on, just on a moral ground, is actually the right way of, of imposing Sharia. Now, how do you impose Sharia? That's, that's another question. I mean... It's very difficult to actually define Sharia in itself and how to actually implement because there are a lot of factors and contingencies I need to 
take place in order for Sharia to actually be implemented. It's not as easy as straightforward as it may seem, right? It's not just like you steal some, you steal something, you get your hand chopped off. It's not as easy to to to, to explain it that way. But just on on a moral standing point, if everything did fall into place for Sharia to be applicable, would you use Sharia on a moral standing point? And I think throughout the values that we managed to build and create in Western society, anything that involves physical retribution towards somebody else or physical, let's say, acts of justice, violent acts of injustice are completely wrong. And that's just taken on a moral standing point. And any Muslim person will tell you the same thing. Well, not any Muslim person, but what I like to call Western Muslims or European Muslims or people that I've grew up with, people that were born here, people even that were born in, in Muslim countries and have come here and have adhered perfectly well to the way of living in the West, uh, in this liberal way of living where we're all free of actually expressing, loving, living the way we want. But then there is still a lot of, a big part of this Muslim community that actually do still defend, let's say, the atrocious acts that were committed, not just Samuel Paty and the three people that were killed now in Nice, but also Charlie Hebdo, saying, you should not disrespect the Prophet like that. That's basically everything that freedom of speech is predicated upon. They say freedom of speech is not predicated upon on you disrespecting somebody else. I say, yes, it is. It is. For you to actually express your freedom of speech, you need to take the risk of you hurting somebody else. That's just the way it is. And if you feel hurt, fair enough. That does not give you the right to kill somebody else or to strip him from, the, from his right of living. That does not give you the right to do that. Anyway, and that's a big conversation that needs to be had. Also within Muslim communities, do you think it's morally acceptable? Do you think it's understandable that these nut jobs kill people just by expressing the freedom of expression? And other people in Nice, it wasn't even by showing a caricature of, of the Prophet. It was just by worshipping in a Christian place, by, by, by worshipping another god, which they're also part of the infidel. And we must never forget that the people that are mostly affected by this extreme Islamic radicalism are Muslims themselves in their home countries. All these Muslims, so many people that need to flee those spaces because they are being persecuted, either based on their sexuality or or maybe because they do not just they don't believe in Allah and these are the main people that are really affected by these issues and we should acknowledge that we should not think that we're the first ones affected these communities are really do need our help in one way or another um, and we need to open up the conversations we need to help them open up those conversations that really must have conversations on what is right and what is wrong, what is the right way of interpreting the Qur'an and what is the wrong way of interpreting the Qur'an. We had that in Christianity already. The Spanish Inquisition was a perfect example of that, of, of all the atrocities and to what extent can human imagination for malevolence go to, or the type of tortures they invented, the, the amount of people they killed in the past, but that was how long ago? Hundreds of years ago. And Christians, Western society understood that that wasn't the way forward. Uh, we managed to create a secular state to divide the state from religion, 
still give the religious freedom for all those that wish to to be of a specific confession, let's say, or to practice their religious freedom. But we shouldn't really be careful on where we're heading right now, because it is not an uncommon way of thinking. I've seen it in Brussels quite a bit of saying that Charlie Hebdo shouldn't have done that. Charlie Hebdo shouldn't disrespect that. We see Macron taking a very firm standing point on all of that, which I deeply appreciate the way he's acted on it. For freedom, for Western freedom, for, for Western liberties. And now there has been a big diplomatic issues with Turkey, where basically he took out also his, his French ambassador from there uh, after some claims of Erdogan. A lot of Muslims around the world are now wanting to boycott French products. Um, and now a bodyguard in Saudi Arabia got attacked uh, in the French embassy. So in the French embassy in Saudi Arabia, a, a, a bodyguard got attacked basically on the same idea uh, on this conflict between what constitutes freedom of speech and disrespecting or so-called or, or disrespecting Islam, let's say, uh, the Prophet which is something that should not be disrespected. And if I'm not even mistaken, there's nothing in the Quran that actually says that you cannot represent the Prophet Muhammad in a caricature, if I'm not mistaken. I think just the way of interpreting it is the way that you cannot disrespect the Prophet, and that way of doing this kind of caricatures are actually disrespecting the Prophet Muhammad, or Muhammad, or Muhammad, however you want to pronounce it, whatever. Um, so I don't think it's actually clearly stated, in a way. I haven't read the Quran, but I have done my fair amount of research upon it. I have talked to a lot of people from 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 the Muslim confession. I have a lot of friends that are from the Muslim confession. Uh, so I've had these conversations with them and see what is the right way of of interpreting this and what's the right way of living. I have a friend that, uh, well, she's Muslim and her parents are Muslims, and she told me, yeah, my dad just says that the, the, um, the hijab is just pure theater, right? You don't need to wear the hijab to be Muslim. You don't need to. Why should you? That's something. That's also a very, very interesting question when it comes to feminism and the hijab and the burqa, which are very, very different sorts of um, of, of clothing, let's say. But anyway, that's also an interesting conversation to take part on there. But the, the, the bottom line is that nobody should be killed by expressing their freedom of speech. And freedom of speech is you taking the risk of offending somebody else. If you offend someone else, fine. But that does not give that somebody else the right to kill you for offending them. That's one of the things we've been trying to fight for so long in Western society. When before we couldn't disrespect our kings, um, our emperors, we couldn't disrespect them. If not, you were killed. What happened with Stalin also? You disrespected him, boom, to the gulag, you're killed. You, you disrespected Hitler, boom, to the concentration camps, you're killed. And now we see in the same sort of totalitarian regimes, fascist regimes even, um, Islamic fascism, rising. In the, in the UK, and, and not just that, there are also some other conversations that need to be had inside the Muslim communities. There's, in the UK, there was a poll done by ICM in 2016 and 2017, a study made that 52% of Muslims in the UK do not think that homosexuality is morally right or that it's acceptable 52 percent that's more than half of the muslim community and there are four million muslims in the uk 
out of the four million Muslim, uh, four million Muslims, because there are different ways, there are different kinds of Muslims, and that's also maybe a difference between Christianity, where we have one person that actually does interpret, um, well, that we say he's the word of God, uh, or he's the representative of God on earth, which is the Pope. Uh, so basically, we follow what he says most of the time. Actually, a few weeks ago, we saw him actually endorse. Um, Gay, gay marriage, right? Which I think is it, it's an amazing accomplishment for the church to actually start acknowledging that people are free to love whoever they want to love. People are free to marry whoever they want to marry. People are free to be whoever they want to be. And that's that. That's something that we actually we've worked very hard to actually get to that point. We've so so much historic context taking to place on how hard it's actually been to achieve that. It's not the same with Islam. Islam is a lot. It's a lot more recent religion. It's not as old as, well, even even older is uh, is uh, Judaism and the Jews, and then Christianity and then uh, Islam, which are the big three religions, let's say, uh, in the world right now. And there has to be this process of of reforming Islam to for it to become a secular Islam. For it to become a confession for the people themselves, a personal confession for you to say, okay, I believe in Allah, I don't believe in God or in Yahweh, I believe in Allah. That's fine, and you can do the Ramadan, you can do the Aid, you can do all of that that evolves around the religious practices in Islam, and everyone is free to do so. But the conversation should be had on how you should interpret that jihad is a very also interesting example actual jihad is a war inside your is a war inside yourself right is it is it it's an internal war uh with your thoughts uh with your evil thoughts right and then people just interpret jihad and in going around and blowing shit up which that's also a conversation to be had regarding jihad and the sharia also what's the but sharia is basically the the political and judicial system in which a muslim state or an islamic state should should be based upon and that's also an interesting um conversation because there shouldn't be any sharia in any single country sharia shouldn't be implemented There's, there are different ways of interpreting islam and of actually carrying out your muslim confession and we most of the muslims do that just fine all around europe and we all live very well together but I have seen a rise in this kind of radical Muslim way of thinking. Of a lot of people in the public sphere in Brussels actually are defending um, the killings of Charlie Hebdo and of the Professor Samuel Paty, saying, "Well, they shouldn't have disrespected the Prophet." I mean, in what right mind does that actually fit your tiny little school? How can you think that? It's just completely disgusting. That someone has the right to kill someone else just because they feel of, they felt offended. How? If we all had the right to kill anyone because we felt offended, there would be probably no one else on earth. No one left. We're all offended one one day or another day or by someone we love, by someone we hate. It's just part of life, and that's part that something we must accept inside our freedom of speech. If we want to post a caricature of the Prophet Muhammad, we can do that. If we want to post a picture of Jesus. We can do that. That does not give you the right to kill someone else because you feel offended. 
it does not. Now, yeah, I'm, I'm getting kind of carried with this topic because it's, it, it's a very, very complicated topic and, 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 and the conversation does have to be opened uh, for this. Now, these conversations need to be started firstly inside Muslim communities themselves with Muslim pioneers, let's say, that are willing to strive for a secular state. Moderate Muslims, if you will, call them that way. I don't like calling them moderate Muslims, I just call them Muslims. Because they are Muslims, that's their way of interpreting their religion. I don't interpret Christianity in the same way as probably most Christians will. I mean, who... on a, What I like to say today, basically, uh, Western society is more like culturally Christian than actually religiously Christian. People don't really eat, don't eat meat basically during 40 days during Easter. They don't really do that anymore. Uh, some people still do, mainly in the Orthodox families. But in, in Catholic families, we, we, we're losing bit by bit this kind of customs and, uh, excuse me, and things that the Bible and Christianity has asked along the years. And that's a way of reforming also, that we have different ways of interpreting our religion. And we are free of using the religion as a as a guide, right? And I think that that what religion is for is that to to provide to provide for each person a moral and philosophical structure for you to interpret life or the the facts that you see around you, and that that's what religion is for. That's how I use it in any case. It, it it's a way it's a way that allow it's a way that allows me to see the world under a different lens um to actually interpret everything that's happening to see what what is morally just what is morally wrong and all of that and that can be basically taken out every single religion they all have different kind of values and mainly western society was based and built upon judeo-christian values which are pretty much the same uh, which in the end that there is a cultural war again there because do we have the same values as as Muslims, I I would argue that we do, because then again it has become the, the Judeo-Christian values have been inserted in a way into our Western culture that they're no longer associated either with religion. Even though if that was the source of all of that, even though religion was the source of these kind of values that we that 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 started emerging throughout the years, they have more become now a cultural value, cultural values. So I would argue that Muslims do also adhere to these kind of Western values, which at the beginning were based on Christian ideals, Judeo-Christian ideals, but in the end have been interpreted in a different way or have been translated into different contexts, um, namely the cultural ground uh, upon which Western society is built upon. And that's the conversation to be had there. Uh, now, the people that say that these radicals are not Muslims now, that's not true either, because they do take the text from somewhere, and their texts come from the Qur'an. There are things that explicitly say, we can debate whether what's the right way of interpreting those texts and taking the, the, the actual historical moment in which they were written uh, in, into context and all of that, etc. So there are a lot of contingencies actually taking place on how to interpret certain passages or, or certain texts in a holy book. Um, 
But people say they're not Muslims. They do not represent us. And I say, well, that's not that's not the way we should see that either. We should see that in a way that they do take the way or the text in, in one specific way because they are written somewhere. So let's not call them Muslims either. They are radical extreme Muslims. Then again, we've seen the same in Christianity. We are, we've also seen radical Christians and extreme Christians. But now we're afraid of calling it the way it is. We're afraid of calling them Muslims. And there are different, again, a big issue that every single person from wherever around the Muslim community, worldwide Muslim community, says different things regarding Islam and the way to interpret that religion. And that's a big issue because then you don't really know who to listen to. If there are so many people, one person saying A, the other person saying B, the other person saying C, and so on, um, throughout all the letters of the alphabet, how do you actually know what's the best way of interpreting Islam? And I really do urge everyone to think about those questions, to actually see what is the best way of interpreting these texts. What's the best way of living with each other, where we can all live in actual open society, where our freedom of religion is actually respected, our freedom of speech is respected, and that nobody is killed for any reason, any reason whatsoever. I would argue that pedophiles should be the first ones on the, on the chopping block, right? But then again, well, I think that's another, that, uh, that's another topic maybe on who is, is it morally just actually to kill someone? Um, personally, I don't think it is, even though I would love to chop the heads of pedophiles. Uh, but then again, it's not morally just to kill a person, whatever his crimes were. But I think that would be very interesting for our next, uh, for our next episode. In any case, I think I will leave it there. Uh, like I said, I really do urge everyone to think about what's happening today, about this cultural war, this this opposition of ideas, of this liberal way of thinking in the West, that we're all free to live where we want, we're free to say whatever we want, we are free to be whoever we want, we are free to believe in whoever we want. Now we are not free to do whatever we want. And that's why the law is there. That's why our value system is there. That's why we've taken all throughout history so long to actually build these institutions, these moral frameworks, and these value structures that we live in today. So I think I will leave it there for now. I would like to have maybe this week, I will try and invite a friend of mine that she's working in a uh, in an anti-terrorist agency actually here in Brussels. I will see if I can, if I can get her on the show and actually discuss with uh, all of these issues and what is the actual provenance of these terrorist attacks, these uh, extremist Islamic terrorist attacks. Nevertheless, uh, stay tuned this week then for another episode, maybe on this topic, maybe another one. Like I said, it's not really clearly yet structured, but I really do hope you enjoyed. And well, without saying any more, I would like to give one last message. Vive la France. This is Charlie. This was Ismail Pai Civico, and this was the Civic Podcast. Thank you very much for listening.